Adventures with Words is brought to you by Audible. Try Audible free for 30 days and download any audiobook for free. To start your free trial, go to www.adventureswithwords.com forward slash audible. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Adventures with Words, where we explore storytelling in all its forms. I'm Rob. I'm Kate. And in case you're wondering why there was no podcast last week, we were lucky to go to Latitude Festival. It's the seventh edition of the festival, and it's held at Henham Park at Southwold on the Sunrise Coast in Suffolk. So it's billed as more than just a music festival, and really it is so much more than that. We actually hardly saw any music at all over mm, the weekend, because yeah. we were very busy uh, looking around all the other different things that go on. It's, it's really a sort of arts and music festival, sort of performing arts, literature, poetry, all, all sorts of different things theatre even sort of a cinema and yeah, so fashion, on things like that yep. yeah so really really big mix there's a, a sort of strange part of the woods called the far away forest there's a forest fringe with all mm-hmm. sorts of sort of different kind of experimental performances going on so it's a really good weekend away i couldn't be there for the whole time i joined the group on friday evening and left on sunday evening but rob was there right from the the start to the bitter end oh yes uh, thursday afternoon all the way through to monday morning so he experienced all the all the fun of the interesting overnight weather and yep. uh, got the full festival camping and mud experience certainly did yes uh, whereas obviously i was i was just a part-timer on this one mm. but we're going to tell you a bit about our sort of highlights from some of the different genres on offer at the festival some of them I was there for some of them it was just Rob so we'll take turns telling you about some of the different things that we really enjoyed over the weekend so first of all we're going to talk about some of the comedy that was on offer oh probably the headlining the comedy was probably for me anyway was Tim Minchin we got into the comedy tent we camped out two hours early <laughs> to, get our, to get our place only then to have to stand up of course because uh, at most of the latitude they're under marquees sort of large sort of covered areas mm-hmm. and most of the time you are sort of sitting down but for all the big headline acts everyone was made to stand up so yeah we got there nice and early we got to see a few other acts as well before he came on and one of them was mark watson all right yeah uh, he did qu- he started off doing quite a you know normal set from what you see on the tv until he had a rather unique heckler <laughs> i think he was about a sort of a little six-year-old at the front who shouted out and something along the lines of oh i heard you doing these jokes on the radio earlier oh, no. now mark watson's credit he didn't look too flustered but you could see that he's he was having to um improvise yeah which, so it was, quite, it was quite funny and it was interesting sort of watching a comedian he really was having to make up as he went as he went along at one point he came down off the stage and he started to walk amongst the crowd which is quite funny i think he did get a bit desperate because at one point he resorted to trivia questions oh dear he right. was asking he was uh challenging the the audience to um, name any if I name a country I'll give you the I'll name you the capital city sort yeah. of thing which is still very funny and he did he seemed to sort of do quite a good set but this little six year old uh, <laughs> wherever his parents were you know he did a very good job of flustering you know I mean Mark Watson's a quite a seasoned stand up yeah so that, that was quite quite good fun but then uh, yeah the main event was Tim Minchin mm-hmm. who is um, well he's a rock and roll nerd that's one of his songs some yeah. say yeah. it was the full experience he had a full band with him piano fantastic going through all his classic songs he was on for about four 45 minutes but because his songs are quite long you kind of think to yourself, oh i only really sort of heard about four or five yeah but they're really good and he was he was talking with the crowd a lot of whoops and screams you know <laughs> he's, he's a funny rock and roll guy now 
completely. I mean, his the way that he performs, there's comedy songs, but they're quite political, aren't they? Absolutely, and they're, they're quite clever. You know, they're quite relevant at times. He's always got a point to make, I think, in all of these songs. So, yeah. Were there any kind of particular hits that he did that, that people would have heard of if they're, if they're fans of Tim Minchin? He did Rock and Roll Nerd, and then he did, the, the well, I don't know what you call it, the Ginger song. Not right. trying to give it away, too much away. He did perform the one song. Uh, he was once, uh, he was recently on the, I think it's Jonathan Ross show on ITV. Yes. And they chopped him out completely because one of the songs, which is quite a funny song about Jesus, ITV didn't deem appropriate. Uh. So he told a little story about uh, that. Oh, it's because it was Christmas show, wasn't yeah. it? And they decided um, it was not Christmassy. Yes. It's sort of as, well. Sort of too controversial. The song sort of talks about, you know, how Jesus comes back from the dead. So he's a zombie Jesus. and he, But lots of other sort of things. Yeah. And he was talking about how he was basically chopped out of the entire program. But yeah. if you looked carefully, you could see his arm next to Tom Cruise. Uh, <laughs> so, and they made a, you know, Tom Cruise was allowed to be on the show and, yes. and Scientology and etc etc but yeah it was a really good set a really good crowd I, I, I'd never seen him before mm. so for me that was sort of a, one of the great experiences of Latitude fantastic um, yeah I'm, I'm really sorry to have missed it that was just before I arrived on yeah, the Friday so yeah that was I was quite disappointing for me I would very much like to see him because the programme was running late because I think it was Russell Kane ran yeah, over yeah. and I kept thinking oh maybe she'll make it maybe she'll yeah, never mind no not quite never yeah. mind one thing we did both manage to see was Adam Buxton yes. doing Bug yes. Live for his sort of Bug Latitude 2012 which we both very much enjoyed oh yes uh, it's great to see the show he, he did say that he was going to try and do a sort of a family friendly one because Latitude does have a sort of a younger audience that goes with it I think yeah yeah but by the end he was still swearing quite heavily I think so yeah, yeah. That was, I sort of felt, he was sort of quite good for about the first sort of 25 mm. minutes half an hour mm. and then he seemed to forget that he was supposed to be self-censoring kind and of his thing his own kids were there weren't they on yes the they the were yeah. I, I did wonder if perhaps he, they'd then gone and mm. so because it was incredibly hot in in the tent yeah, on that occasion is. actually um, yeah it was overall the weather wasn't fantastic and on the Saturday it was sort of uh, occasional showers but it was incredibly hot in the comedy tent uh, on the well, he was in the BAFTA tent he was in the film uh, yeah sorry the uh, which, film um, and music they, they show quite a few short films yeah so it has to be sort of blacked out yes uh, which obviously the same thing traps all the heat inside yeah which yeah. is a bit of a shame don't know if anyone's watching Bug on Sky Atlantic mm. so in case you know what to expect but he basically shows not necessarily funny but very sort of artistic interesting music videos so if it, like something that perhaps the direction or the the way that it, if particularly if it's animated yeah he'll look at sort of inventive and sort of visually interesting videos they've always got quite arresting visuals so you, you watch those and then he reads out the funny YouTube comments afterwards, which is just, if anyone's ever read the YouTube comments, you know what to expect. They're just infantile and bickering at times. But he dresses them up in a very funny way. Yeah, and he sort of selects the, the most amusing ones, particularly if he can find one where sort of people are having a bit of a conversation back and forth. Yeah. And the way he reads them out is great. Yeah, he does a lot of other shows around the country. So if you do get a chance to see him, and of course, if you're a fan of Adam and Joe, then you should definitely watch Bug. Yeah, I mean, he's quite off, he quite often does the show at the South Bank. He yeah. also quite often does it in Norwich because that's close to home for him. And I noticed actually on Twitter, he uh, if you want to follow him, he's uh, at Real Adam Buxton. That Bug was actually in Cambridge this weekend. Oh, right, right. So he's obviously not just sticking to those two places. He yeah. does sort of take it elsewhere as well. Yeah, I'd recommend him definitely. I, I mean, I think he's incredibly funny anyway. Sort of ha mm. having sort of watched what he's done from the Adam and Joe show, which yes. was, you know, however long it was, like 15 years ago or something. Oh, it's funny to think that. Yeah, yeah it's quite yeah. scary, isn't it? And then yeah, as 
you say, on, on Six Music again with Joe and now kind of doing his own thing. I do mm. think he's very, very funny. He's just got such a fantastic sort of style. And I, I'm sure loads of people saw him on uh, Nevermind the Buzzcock. So if you enjoyed mm, that, yes. then yeah, absolutely. See if you can catch Bug live or, or on Sky Atlantic if you're lucky enough to have that channel. So on the Thursday night, which is sort of the night a few people get there, but it's sort of one of the more quieter ones, I took advantage to go and see some of the theatre. Mm-hmm. As there is a full-on theatre well, stage with seating in the middle of the woods, which is quite good. I was there with Rich and Beth from Frequency Theatre. Uh, we've spoken to Rich before on the podcast. And this is more my chance to get some insight from them and be introduced to some, some theatre that I probably wouldn't have seen on my yeah. own. So the first night we saw two shows. The first one was Billy Chicken is a Superstar Psychopath. Right. That sounds... Raised some eyebrows yeah. with me. Quite an interesting title. What it was, it was an hour-long piece. Billy Chickens is a double murderer. Right. Uh, he... Spends about 15 years in prison. He's then released and he's just basically a celebrity. Uh, he goes on all the shows. He's got, you know, women throwing themselves <laughs> at him. He's essentially a thug. But he sort of becomes to revel in the celebrity. But all everyone ever wants to ask him is about the double murders. Right. And it's not something that he wants to address. He, he seems to think that people like him for who he is, his personality. Yeah, yeah. When all that, it's just his notoriety that they want to talk to mm-hmm. him about. So it's sort of an hour long piece sort of exposing sort of celebrity sort of modern yeah, culture. I was going to say that sort of obsession with celebrity culture. It was quite funny. It had sort of very weird sort of flashbacks at times to when he was at school. Lots of sort of, it's sort of a strange sort of theatre where you've got sort of the stage hands are on stage. Right. And they're sort of moving bits around and handing things oh, to each other. So okay. it's not something that I was used to, but it was quite funny. Some really awful swearing, like top line you know, yeah, 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 in yeah. there, but it's sort of a tragic story as it goes along. Mm. And then after that we saw Nabokov's Symphony. This was very different. This yeah. was uh, an hour long again. But it was three 20-minute plays, mm-hmm. and the symphony part was it was all sort of done to music. So you had sort of three very different stories. The first one was was about this boy called Jonesy. He's asthmatic, and he's mm-hmm. doing his GCSEP exam. Right. But uh, he can't play rugby, so he decides to play netball. Okay. And, you know, when you're at school, a boy playing netball, you can imagine yeah. what that's all about. Yeah. And he sort of chart his progress as he moves up the sort of the ranks, so to speak, of yeah. playing netball. Yeah. Like goal defense and goal attack. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things sort of yeah. passed me by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might know more than I do. And the next one was a song about London, which I wasn't too keen on, but it was sort of a relationship with a guy. He sees a girl on a on a train, and there's mm-hmm. a will they won't they, and well they don't. And then the third one was by Nick Payne. He was the most sort of well-known writer there. Yeah. And that was once again about more of an on-off relationship. But it was the same cast every time, but they were sort of playing different roles. Oh, right. That's quite all, interesting. they were all playing instruments and, and singing. So, yeah, that was sort of a, two very different theatre pieces there. But I quite enjoyed them. Billy Chicken is a superstar psychopath. I'd probably gone, ooh, no, maybe I won't watch that. But then I had Rich and Beth, who are very, you know, they're very well informed about theatre. They said, no, 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 let's go, let's go and try these out. So, um, for me, this is part of Latitude. What I enjoy is just finding something new i was going to say that actually i think going going to something like latitude where it, it does have that massive variety of different things on offer you know as we say it's so much more than than just the music mm, yeah i think it gives you the opportunity you're there you might as well go and see something and you might as well go and see something that you wouldn't necessarily see at another time and luckily yeah i thought they were both really good 
Yeah, I, to be honest, I think we were we were pretty lucky with the the vast majority of the the things that we yeah, ended I'd up say seeing. So, as well, yeah. so I mean, something else that was kind of theatre related. It was actually in the in the literary arena, but it was a discussion that was sort of presented by the RSC, titled "Theatre: A Place for Protest." And the the two people in the conversation were Dr. Giles Fraser. He was the former canon of St Paul's who resigned because of the cathedral stance of. On the Occupy uh, sort of stock exchange, Occupy mm. London protesters, and he's now uh, the priest in charge of St Mary's Newington uh, at, in Elephant and Castle. And then Mark Ravenhill, who I hadn't heard of, I hadn't either, no. But he is actually kind of very well respected, you know, very sort of acclaimed playwright, and he's currently playwright in residence at the RSC. And I really thought that was a fascinating discussion. It's, it's something you know that I've been aware of in terms of the Occupy movement and sort of following that and being quite kind of politically aware and quite kind of left wing and and so on myself but then it was really interesting hearing that discussion in terms of uh, how that might relate to the theatre and well this was talking about the theatricality of protest for example yeah absolutely I mean well now the the V for Vendetta masks I Mm. mean you couldn't really get more theatrical than that I found the whole thing completely fascinating. I don't really know what I was expecting when I went in, but to hear what was going on behind the scenes at St Paul's, mm, that was the really interesting. That were all the way through to um, theatre now and sponsorship and who's paying for the for the plays we put on, like BP for example, yeah. and all the everything that goes associated with them. I, this for me, this was a really fascinating. I wish it could go on for a lot longer. Yeah, I, I found it just absolutely gripping. To be honest, I think the the way that uh, obviously the the reason that Dr. Fraser resigned was uh, because he felt that the way that the the cathedral as as a whole was addressing the issue of the protester. You know, he really felt that they were not thinking about the issues behind the protest that they were too focused perhaps on the needs of the city of london as opposed to thinking about sort of which side christianity would have been on well someone said didn't they yeah jesus would have been out there with the protesters yeah absolutely you know sort of throwing the money lenders out of the temple and so on so you know from from that point of view he he decided to take a a sort of political decision if you like uh, you know and thinking yeah you know he said it was very hard but then obviously Mark Ravenhill was able to relate that as you said to the kind of sponsorship issue and towards the end of the discussion when they opened it up to questions from the floor Mm. someone asked a question about the BP sponsorship of the recent RSC season you know and and could Mark tell us anything about the the kind of general feeling in in the RSC about that sponsorship and you know they they then went on to make a, a kind of wider point about the way that having corporate sponsors could affect your output as a as a theatre company well the rsc have had their own uh, people protesting against them for taking the money mm. and he was saying the discussion about how a lot of people running the rsc felt that they should be more aligned to people who are protesting yeah as, as yeah absolutely against you know and the same thing's happened with the tape modern hasn't it where they brought the turbine in yes they, they sort of carried yeah. the turbine blade across the across the wobbly millennium bridge that's very theatrical yeah i think it was it was a really interesting discussion uh, in terms of the way that people kind of respond to these kind of big theatrical gestures that you know gripping mm. gripping people in terms of getting you know getting them on side for a you know for a political purpose and i think you know mark ravenhill was also saying that that used to happen a lot more in theatre and you know I think he felt that you know what was what did you say sort of 20 30 years ago the people 
protesting outside St Paul's would have been the same people sort of starting independent theatre companies and you know putting on kind of political theatre and he feels that perhaps that you know it's not the same people but I mean we we spoke to you know Rich and Beth about that afterwards and I think they they felt that it was so hard to start something in in theatre and the arts nowadays anyway you know I think it's much harder than it would have been 20 or 30 years ago the the challenge now is just to get anything started in the first place you know they they've done that by sort of creating their own niche if Mm. you like and creating these you know audio plays that sort of you know in a play in a podcast kind of thing which I think is a, a great idea i think mark was there is saying there is the worry now that to get the money to put a play on you probably have to play it safe you know you don't want to offend people and at the end that's you need money to put it on at the end of the day Mm -hmm. don't you yeah yeah so i mean as as you can tell from our discussion there you know we we really did get into that very much so that yeah i think that that was a great little little find there so we did actually go and see some music at the festival. There are four stages at Latitude. Main stage, which is the obelisk, which is the larger one. Uh, the word arena, the lake the lake stage, I think yeah, they call the it. Yeah, the lake stage. And then in the woods, there's the eye stage, which is after the eye newspaper. We probably spent most of the time, I'd say, in the word arena. Yeah, we saw a few a few different bands in the word. On the Friday night when I had got there, uh, we saw a couple of bands in there. Uh, we went to see Yay Sayer, and they're a, a, a sort of from Brooklyn originally. It's quite hard to say what type of music they really do sort of alternative mm. indie yeah. kind of lots of different influences in there sort of a bit of afro pop and a bit of funk and electronica and so on they're quite sort of unusual quite hard to pigeonhole but I, I, I like them very much they were playing mostly stuff from their second album which is called odd blood that was out in 2010 which has got sort of moroccan mm. syrian kind of middle eastern type yeah. influences i became quite a fan of them after that i think yeah. I, mean, I only really need one song, the one, well, yeah, one, uh, yeah, O-N-E song. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I quite liked it. I'm going to look, look them up now. Yeah, it's something where I'd, I'd heard Bits and Bobs before. They'd been on Six Music and I'd sort of downloaded a couple of things. But it, it made me actually go da- go and uh, sort of download the their last couple of albums, actually. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it mm. was kind of lyrically interesting, but also, yeah, it's, just, it's sort of very different and not easy you know you couldn't sort of put them in any one genre which appeals to me and if you fancy checking them out they've got a new album coming out in august apparently called fragrant world it's quite an interesting name for an album and then straight after them uh were white lies who you may well have heard of i think they they've only had the one album but that was quite a big hit Mm. a couple of years ago now uh called to lose my life and sort of um farewell to the fairground and so on they sort of quite radio friendly right sort of relatively although they're described as dark bruised post-punk in the in the program mm. which makes them sound quite scary i think and i i don't think they are i think they're quite kind of radio friendly quite yeah. kind of poppy rocky I don't know how you can have bruised music no i'm not dark, quite sure about yes. that either yeah dark mm. I, bruised is a bit of an odd description yeah. But yeah, I mean they're they're quite good. I've heard them before. I've I've heard them when they supported Muse at Wembley a couple oh, right. of years ago. I think that was in 2010. I quite enjoyed them, but you know we we stayed for about half an hour, and then I mm. think we got the idea. I was more impressed with the light show. Yeah, the light yeah. show was very impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, lots of kind of lasers and flashing yeah. and kind of diddly sort of up mm. and down LED screens in the background. So yeah, that was that was quite good fun. But yeah, I, th- I think I preferred Yaysayer to be honest of out the two, of the two. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we had more of them rather. Th- oh yeah, 
rather than white lies. I had a middle-aged woman, she was having the time of her life, sitting next to me at white lies. Yeah, she just goes, absolutely loved yeah, it. It just goes, I mean, latitude appeals across all sort of all ages, really. Yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. I think, one of the biggest age ranges of, of any festival, probably apart from Glastonbury, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. And I think with that, it's the people who've been every time and they're still coming back kind of thing. And now mm. they've brought their children and possibly grandchildren. Mm. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, Latitude hasn't been, you know, is nowhere near as, as established. But, I, you know, it just goes to show how well it's doing, that it's already attracting such a, a wide yeah. range of people. It's after, after White Lies, we uh, headed up up the hill from the Word Arena and... And caught the end of Bonnie Vare, mm-hmm. which is completely different in mood. Very sort of calm and very delicate. The stage was really quite beautiful, sort of covered in candles and made it almost look like a, a sort of woodland or something. It was, yeah. It's very, very relaxed. And then apart from that, uh, we sort of popped in and out of the uh, Word Arena again a couple of times. Uh, we met up with some friends of ours and as a consequence had a good chunk of thomas dolby doing his thing but if she blinded me with science it's Mm. very kind of quirky very interesting and a couple of his newer things as well and then a bit of the beginning of the uh, saint vincent set as well which our friend's young very young son enjoyed a lot he was having a good dance to uh, saint vincent yeah little owen yeah yeah, he's, Time of his life. he was a big fan, <laughs> a big fan of that. But we, you know, we weren't really listening very well. And then the two bands that we then deliberately saw, we saw Elbow, who headlined on the, the Saturday mm. night on the Obelisk stage. Now, I'm not sure either of us were particularly blown away by that, to be honest. No, Elbow seemed to be on the wrong night. Mm. They were very sort of well, chilled out, a bit more relaxed. Yeah. Saturday night, you really want some get you going. Possibly stopping with Paul Weller would, would have worked. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, Paul, Paul Weller, yeah, who headlined on Sunday, would have been a lot more upbeat and kind of something you could dance to mm. a bit more sort of jolly. Where, you know, Elbow have got a, a couple of kind of big anthemic sort of upbeat sing-alongs. Yeah. But apart from that, a lot of their mu- music is quite calm, mm. quite downbeat. They very quickly ran out of words to rhyme with Latin. Yes. Yeah, Guy Garvey spent quite a lot of time sort of freestyling, rhyming things with latitude. Attitude. Yeah. Gratitude. A- attitude, gratitude. He didn't go for platitudes. No. 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 That's possibly a bit negative. But once he'd done that about three or four times, I was like, yeah, I get the idea, mate. Yeah, there, there wasn't yeah. there wasn't much more happening there. And they, they did a bit of kind of let's get the crowd to sing along to the, you know, the, the big fine. hits. Yeah. Which is fine. But yeah, having, having seen them before... I I think unfortunately they've got so big mm. so quickly and really it's only only two out of their album. I mean they've they've, they've got quite a few albums. Yes, someone was saying on the uh, Latitude forums that they've kind of forgotten their earlier works. Yeah, I mean yeah. I I mentioned to you the other day. I mean I got their first album Asleep at the Back in 2001. I thought that mm. was absolutely fantastic. I absolutely loved it. But it's, it's been, just been completely forgotten. And then there were another two after that that no one ever seems to have listened to. And then it was when they won the Mercury for Seldom Seen Kid in 2008 mm. that they really 
sort of got everyone's attention and to be honest I think at the time I was thrilled for them that they'd finally been recognised but I think the the singles from that album were played just absolutely yeah. to death and then the same has happened with uh, the singles from Build a Rocket Boys that unfortunately it just made you think of being in a department store or something. Which is strangely how I know that elbow from having it sort of absorbed it subconsciously through work yeah played i was sitting there humming along going, oh i do know this one all right yeah and I, th- I think unfortunately it's yeah it's not sort of for the merit of the music itself people going no. out and, and selecting it it's because it, you just can't avoid it mm. which is a real shame because i do think they're a great band yeah mm. it just it, it they've become a bit middle of the road sadly yeah but but then we uh sunday lunchtime is sort of a prestigious slot a latitude, mm-hmm. and for that we saw Rufus Wainwright. Yeah, I, I'm having. Rufus Wainwright. Yeah, I've, yes. the, the whole time I, I've been completely unable to pronounce his name. You're doing a Jonathan um, Ross. Yeah, yeah, so I'm just, I'm just going to give in and refer to him as Rufus. I think yep. you know, I'm, I'm just going to give in. But in, in case you don't know, uh, Rufus is <laughs> the son of um, two folk singers, uh, Loudon Wainwright the third. You have to say the third because he insists on it. No. And uh, Kate McGarrigal of the McGarrigal sisters, Kate and Anna McGarrigal. I know a lot of their stuff, and I, which I like very much because my parents are massive Kate and Anna McGarrigal fans. I'm looking at you blankly. Yeah, yeah. don't worry. I'm not expecting <laughs> you to have heard of them. But for those people who do know of them, they will know that they there's some great songs they're very very funny very witty um they do a lovely song about going swimming which i know sounds silly but it's it's very it's got a charm beautiful music yeah it's very charming Mm. um kind of sort of north american singer songwriter sort of very simple instrumentally but very witty very enjoyable so it would be a bit bizarre if he wasn't a musician to be honest with that background and you know when he was very young he and his sister martha were going on tour with um, kate and anna uh, sort of performing folk music and playing the tambourine and so on so it's been it's sort of in his blood really Mm. and i mean he's he himself has done all sorts of different things sort of pop and rock and uh, he won a grammy for his uh sort of recreation of the very famous uh, Carnegie Hall concert by Judy Garland. Oh, right. And a couple of years ago, he premiered an opera called Prima Donna, which he wrote as well. Mm. So he's incredibly versatile. But at the moment, uh, the reason he was there is he's got a new album that came out recently called Out of the Game, which talks all about important things that have happened in his life, his daughter was born his mum sadly died so it's really about him growing up and changing and the yeah the the kind of big events that have happened and it's been incredibly successful actually i hadn't realized but it was sort of number five in the album charts yeah i liked what we heard yeah i I really enjoyed it actually it's another discovery that i've you know i made latitude i mean admittedly i didn't really go for the music for me it was everything else but um yeah I'd say pretty much everything that I sort of wandered in on, mm-hmm. I've quite liked. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I think he's obviously got his his sort of mother's knack for very witty, very charming lyrics. I think the the words of the songs were were really sort of fun and interesting, and mm. you know, very much telling stories. Actually, I think that's mm. obviously the focus yeah. of this album. Yeah, I, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Uh, well, then later that afternoon, we went to the waterfront stage. This is actually a floating stage that's sort of on the lake at latitude you were really keen to go see some ballet and 
I've never seen ballet. But I didn't want to be an ignorant male, so I, I went <laughs> along. Because this is quite an interesting piece that we went to see. Yes, it was. The The company's called New Adventures, and they were put together by Matthew Bourne. He's their sort of artistic director. And the reason that this is exciting is because what they were performing was called uh, Spitfire, an advertisement divertisement, which is a very early piece that Matthew Bourne choreographed. And it's the 25th anniversary of him putting together this company. Mm. And this sort of short piece is very much his kind of signature if you like it it introduced yes yeah yeah absolutely it introduced a lot of the the kind of key aspects that then went on to be his signatures you know in in his most famous works so the thing you're most likely to have heard of which was sort of choreographed and and sort of envisioned by Matthew Bourne is his all-male Swan Lake that I had had heard of yes yeah I mean that's been shown on the television it's you know it was a, a sort of massive hit and you know also very controversial when it was first performed because obviously to go to a sort of all male company to perform this it's a you know it's the classic love story and the kind of love triangle between the prince the white swan the black swan you know and so on and so on and then obviously by making it all male you're acknowledging gay relationships yeah so you know this was this was quite a big deal to do this and advertis uh spitfire kind of introduces that it's really well it's a piece kind of thinking about what is masculinity what does being a man mean and it was performed by i think six dancers all men and what they wear when they're performing is deliberately supposed to be uh, reminiscent of the kind of victorian uh, sort of strong man or kind of like bathing suit type yes bathing suit clothes. sort of one of them was wearing like long johns yeah they were sort of like they were pulling sort of poses you know like bodybuilding sort of poses basically sort of masculine so yeah it was interesting i don't know if i could have watched anything a bit longer because as as an introduction to ballet i was like wow you know yeah well i mean it's it's not traditional ballet i mean in terms of what ballet is you know you have something like the ballet russe or whatever Mm. where that's you know very traditional classical ballet where you have people in lines doing matching poses you know and and so on this really isn't that It is ballet, but it's modern ballet and it's re, you know, it's re-envisioned, re-interpreted. Mm. And you've got some classical ballet movements and motions, but they're combined with very jerky movements, combined with a lot of acting as well. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's not traditional classical ballet at all and really i i thought it i i have actually seen it before it was actually on the television at christmas when they did a a kind of matthew bourne retrospective and i i think it's very funny it's very witty because you've got the combination as you say of those kind of almost bodybuilder type poses these i sort of describe them as sort of moving tablet a bit like almost Mm. victorian postcards or or posters but then also you've got the kind of jostling for position between the different dancers who of who's in charge of each mm. set they all get a little go at being in charge but the the way that they look at each other you can see there's one of them be shooting daggers at another one who's it's their turn to be in the yeah, spotlight that, that took me a while to realize like that was deliberate you know what i mean like, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 absolutely but yeah that's what i mean it's all it's all built in it's all yeah. part of the story I was where thinking, he's what on earth is going on <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's all yeah. deliberate because that's what he's playing with. That yeah. you know, your expectation of a male dancer is mm. that he 
he's the strong one. He's the prince. He's the one who lifts the girl up into the air yeah. and all of that sort of thing. Whereas actually it's showing the, the kind of rivalry between them. And also because it's these poses and so on, it's almost putting the, the male into what would be a more traditionally female role of being looked at in terms of an object of beauty. Mm. It's almost like a, a sort of classical statue, some of the poses that they were doing. If you think about the kind of classical Greek kind of sporting people or mythical heroes, those kind of marble statues, it's that kind of idea yeah. as well. They're looking at the beauty of the male form. Obviously, out of this 15, 20 minutes, I got a lot out of it. I, <laughs> I do think it's very, very funny. Yeah. And I, I definitely, I'm a, I'm quite a big Matthew Bourne fan. I definitely say that, you know, for for the men out there, don't be put off. It's very witty. It's very funny stuff. And particularly if you ever get to see his Nutcracker, absolutely brilliant. Really, really funny. So finally, we get to the literary tent or and, all, and the authors that were there. Now, you really wanted to see Ian Banks. Yeah, I when did. He, when he came up on the uh, lineup, you were quite excited. But unfortunately, mm. he had to pull out for personal reasons. Yeah, that was a bit of a disappointment. But um, his replacement was someone who you equally excited about, um, yep. Professor Brian Cox. Oh, yes. Now, he was being interviewed with Professor John Butterworth and Robin Ince. Yeah, and this was by, about, Robin by Robin Ince. Yeah. yes. And they were discussing the Higgs boson uh, yes, discovery. Yes, Brian Cox and John Butterworth are both connected with CERN. Brian Cox more in the past, but John Butterworth currently. Yeah. So uh, and they've collaborated before on, on uh, books. So I guess that was why they were both put together to mm. sort of talk about the discovery. And then obviously they... also in D-Ream? Uh, no, no, I don't right, think so. Thinking. No, that's, I think... Yeah. No, I don't think he's okay. musical. But um, yeah, they were talking about the recent <laughs> discovery, and the idea was to try and explain it, you know, to the audience. Yeah, it, as best yeah. they could, kind of yeah. for, for a relatively non-scientific audience. I I thought they did a very good job, actually. Yes, I think so as well. I wouldn't say I could explain it a hundred percent confidently, but I, I understand certainly more now. Yeah, I mean, I think they they did a really good job of explaining the the kind of idea behind CERN, what it does, the the idea of particle acceleration, the two particles Mm. sort of smashed together and then you can see the the constituent parts. And I think the way they described it worked really well because they used the analogy of sort of taking a photo of the results as the light comes out from the the particles smashing together it's like yeah. kind of taking a, a polaroid a sort of snap photo as yeah. the the collisions happen and and the different particles get, sort of get released in the in the yeah. collision so that that did make a lot of sense actually. it's also important not to explain just the discovery but also you know why they're bothering to do it in the first place well exactly yeah. and I, you know i think they were they were trying to say that it's worth knowing about these mm. um sort of sub-molecular particles just in order to know about them um and they they did also make the point that when when you make these breakthroughs and these discoveries you don't always necessarily know what practical application they're going to have straight away you know they were talking about the idea of quantum mechanics that that's the idea that there are lots of different versions Mm. of the universe and he said the the transistor which is something that we have in practically all our kind of electronic gadgets that the production of that wouldn't have been possible without the idea of quantum theory mm. but it didn't happen for another kind of 20 years or so afterwards and that's the point they were making that this breakthrough we're probably not going to you know see the effects of that 
for some time now. I also found it quite funny that people used to think of CERN as this device that could possibly destroy the Earth. Yeah. This black hole. Yeah, and yeah, actually exactly. Saying, you know, what they're actually doing is, is happening around us all the time. Yeah, that was fascinating, yeah. actually. It's not something I'd heard of. And the, the guy who asked the question said, you know, do these do these collisions happen in the wild? Yes. Which I thought was a fantastic way of putting it. You know, he meant yeah. sort of outside the lab, but yeah, in, in the wild, out and there in the, all you around know, us, you know, the jungle of real life. But it's just the fact that we can't detect them. We can't yeah. see them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, of, and of course they are. You know, once you think about it like that, it's it's obvious. Yeah, of course they would be. Why, you know, why would they not mm. be? But yeah, I mean, we we don't have all the devices for recording everything, and yeah, so so yeah. Uh, yeah if you were worried about some kind of black hole being created, you don't have to yeah, worry. Apparently, fine. that's absolutely fine. So but it was a really good panel. Professor Brian Cox, uh, Robin Ince calls the bloke off the telly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he had a very nice sort of Beatles moment at the end where he was just mobbed. By yeah, it kids. was it was yeah. coxomania or, or yeah. whatever you want to call it. It was it was quite spectacular. And, and uh, Robin Ince did say, unfortunately, Brian does have to go straight away. You know, he's he's literally got a helicopter waiting for mm. him. So he you know he can't he, he can only stay sort of five minutes or whatever but you know there there are signed copies of the book around the corner but you know there was a, a sort of surge to the stage scrum, uh, yeah. yeah you could describe <laughs> it as, and i'm i'm no, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed but i'm i'm maybe a little bit embarrassed to admit that i i absolutely leapt up and ran up there myself well you had the height advantage and the reach yes there I are did. lots of seven or eight year olds who yeah. uh you know they were mobbing him it was fantastic to see really yeah it was lovely actually yeah, there were just, lots and lots of kids there really really interested to be honest i'm not sure how much they would have understood but then again you could say the same about yeah. the adults yeah to be honest no, I, I almost caught your moment on camera where you just reached yeah. over their heads but there you go they're, they're fine yeah so i i now have my my copy of the the big latitude program because you, you get something which people refer to as the bible yeah. uh, because it has every bit of information you could possibly want about latitude in it and my copy is now signed mm. professor brian cox it's very exciting He's so we're touched gonna have to yeah. preserve that forever yeah. so i was i was I was very pleased to be able to get that signed before he had to fly off to his next mm. engagement. So the next thing we went to see was something well, entirely different yes. uh, for a number of reasons. Oh my yes. goodness. Well, if you explain all. Well, it, it really was quite spectacular. The the other person that I was absolutely desperate to see was the big name in the literary tent. He'd been bumped up the listings because Ian Banks wasn't there. And that was Simon Armitage, who was going to mm. be there talking about his prose book, Walking Home, with Stuart McConey. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But I was a bit worried that it might be quite packed in there. So I thought, let's get in there early. And so we did. We got in right down the front. We thought, oh, I didn't really know who the people were talking. So look them up and it turned out that it was Tanya Byrne and uh, Kat Clark who were two well I mean Tanya Byrne isn't always a, a young adult mm. author but she was talking about yeah. Heart-Shaped Bruise which is a, a kind of young adult fiction book and Kat Clark who's written a, a couple of young adult books and she was there to talk about Torn they were being interviewed by someone who the, the program lists as model DJ and fashion blogger Bipling I wouldn't even call this an interview I would say she was didn't really want to be there. She was reading questions off a piece of paper, wasn't even listening to responses given back. No, it she was, was flirting with some bloke sitting next to me. About halfway through, I'd say the two others clocked onto that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'd, yeah, about a, 
maybe about 10 minutes after we arrived, I think the the two authors realised there wasn't much point waiting to be asked something by her and basically started to ask each other questions. Um, But uh, clearly, Bipling had got a, a kind of... She'd gone online and found a kind of, how do you review a book sort of thing or how do questions to ask an author and you know because it was sort of like what do you do when you're writing do you listen to music i mean i've interviewed authors before i've actually done over email which is a little easier and i've written out my questions that i'm going to ask them but you don't necessarily have to stick to that order no. If something interesting comes up, you are allowed to sort of ask them another question. That's not, yeah, um, absolutely. And I mean, she didn't oh, actually yeah. really ask them very much. She asked them a few very, very basic questions about the book. I, you know, I wonder if she even had the, she, she was given the questions by someone else. It yeah. really, it, God, it was just so awkward. I was just really embarrassed for everyone involved. It was mind-boggling. No, I mean, we we both thought, why on earth has this? person been chosen to interview authors we just couldn't imagine and the only thing that we could come up with is kind of having done a bit of googling ourselves and and found out who on earth she was that perhaps it was because they're young adult books and she's Mm. supposed to be a kind of young adult you know she's in appeals to that demographic she seems to have done something with top shop and i think rob you said you thought she might have been on mtv perhaps i'm not sure but i don't think that still qualifies you to interview authors if you've got no interest in the book or the authors and and she clearly had absolutely none no. absolutely none whatsoever she would she would read the question off her you know perhaps whatever it is do you make a playlist before you start writing well that's because she's a dj so she's thought I'm, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. She has to ask that question but you know yeah. what <laughs> she'd already asked something very similar to tanya Byrne when she asked that question to Cat Clark and Cat Clark had actually also answered earlier and said yes she did make a playlist so mm. that that question had already been answered she was paying so little attention that she mm. didn't know that that question was now not usable and she'd have to think of something else it, oh god i just those those poor women <laughs> sitting there just you know it made me think i from from my experience at work my sort of year 7 students could have come up with something more interesting they would have probably even read the book beforehand Mm. where i think the the questions that she asked about the books she probably based those on the blurb quite possibly although she did ask one about an unreliable narrator which kind of makes me think that possibly someone else wrote those questions that does sound yeah a bit too sophisticated possibly for her yeah it it really it really was it really was an excruciating experience i mean we did think about not mentioning it now but i thought it really was worth mentioning as just a how not to do it you know we Mm. were sitting there sort of thinking you know what other questions could we ask or what's your favorite color you know what's your favorite food that that would have been as relevant well then we got into something far more entertaining the complete, complete the complete opposite, opposite experience complete opposite, yeah so that's simon armitage talking to Stuart mcconey but there's pros this time i hadn't read this book that he was talking about but i thought that talk was really entertaining yeah it, yeah it it was literally the complete opposite of what we just experienced it mm. was a, just a relief basically after that you had uh, two people who obviously i think it helped that they obviously did know each other they were friends yeah but they were just it was far more relaxed Stuart McConey, yeah, he had an iPad with questions on, but he wasn't just reading them off one by one. <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean, he was listening to the responses and, you know, 
following on from what Simon Armitage had said in the previous question. But I mean, basically, this this book, Walking Home, um, Simon Armitage set himself a challenge to walk the Pennine Way, but effectively to walk it the wrong way round mm. because he wanted to walk back to his home village effectively yeah. where he grew up and he said you know the reason that you you do it the other way around normally is because that way the weather's at your back and the wind's at your back and it's it's much a much more pleasant experience basically and this way around was a lot harder and you know the wind mm. and weather in your face and and so on mm. and it, from the sounds of it he he found it a big challenge and what he was doing along the way was he he was basically being like a, a kind of troubadour um mm. and as he got to each village he was giving a, a poetry performance and passing around the hat or in fact a, a sock yeah. <laughs> sort of collecting some money and then staying with someone in the village as he, he was went earning along. money from his poetry in sort of the most simplest way yeah. almost like busking and I, mean, I, th- I thought that it was really interesting that um, Stuart McConey sort of asked him a question along the lines of, you know, you, you get sort of poets who are sort of communing with nature and find it, you know, mm. sort of words worth and so on. It's all about the beauty and the tranquility of nature and, and mm. the kind of quiet power of nature, yes. whatever. Whereas actually, it seemed like Simon Armitage almost had the, the kind of opposite experience. Well, he was talking about the practical side of it, trying to read a map yeah. where there's just like there's no landmarks. It's just sort of a squiggly lines and you're trying to work out with the compass where you are also the weather he was saying when they're discussing about the weather reports it's mm. obviously only at ground level not where how high up he was i enjoyed the bit where he talked about when he's preparing to go and he's talking to his dad and his dad was <laughs> saying oh you don't need to take a coat just use a bin bag or something <laughs> i found that person yeah. quite funny because the waterproof my dad let me didn't turn out to be a waterproof you know yeah, dad's was... always knows best don't <laughs> yeah, they? it was strangely yeah. appropriate wasn't at it as time. we were sitting yes. there <laughs> um, yeah his dad was saying that he wants he's i'll just wear a bin bag and of course, the fact is that does he really want his son walking home into his hometown just wearing a bin bag? You know, so uh, it was very funny. Yeah, it was. I, it was heard, great. Actually, I heard it was really good that fun. Armitage was a bit grumpy at times, but I never saw that side then. No, not at all. I, he I was quite absolutely him. jovial. Yeah. It was. It was really enjoyable to watch two people sort of discussing in such a positive way. And uh, I, I had my sort of second fangirl moment of the day. Yeah. And as as soon as they opened it up to questions, I I stuck my hands in the air immediately and sort of. Asked a question about the idea of perhaps it was a bit like a quest sort of in, inspired by him uh, Simon Armitage having done a, a version of uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight and happily it turned out to be a, a really apposite question because yeah, great uh, si- well yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely and Simon was saying yeah you know I do talk about the idea of the kind of like the, the odyssey and, and going on a quest like Sir Gawain and the Green Knight so I thought yes excellent I've just said something good to Simon Armitage so that was yeah that was very exciting and I went and got my my copy of kid signed after yeah. the talk so yeah very very much enjoyed that very pleasing well we're nearly at the end but we've just got time for a little bit of any other business now uh you know anything else that we thought was worth mentioning about the festival i don't know if you want to kick off rob yes well i spoke just then about uh getting a bit wet it's not a proper bridges festival unless there's a bit of mud Absolutely. And there was a fair bit of mud. But I think they coped with it quite well. Yeah. Um, they were putting wood chip down to sort of soak it all up. You are, at the end of the day, in a field in, and in a wood. So I never really got cold or miserable. The tent didn't leak. No one fell over in the mud. No, no, I think we did pretty well, to be honest. I mean, it's it's not on the kind of Glastonbury scale no. of things. You know, there's there was sort of just one particular very muddy bit, which was a, a big kind of thoroughfare with lots of people walking which through. Which is to be expected, yeah. But, I mean, generally, they, they did say beforehand, you know, definitely bring wellies and a waterproof. And, oh, yeah. You know, it, uh, luckily I had a waterproof that actually did what it said on the yeah. tin, unlike Thanks, yours. Dad. But, uh, 
<laughs> you, should, you would have been better off with a bin yeah. bag, actually. Well, yeah. You should well, have taken poncho, Mr. Armitage's yeah. advice. But, uh, um, but it, didn't, it didn't dent the atmosphere. And that's no, the main thing about la- latitude is the atmosphere is just fantastic. It's yeah. so relaxed, so friendly. It's so clean. It's clean, yes. Certainly, Absolutely. you don't get horrible festival toilets. You might do in other places. No, I mean, my, my previous experience of festival camping was, was at, at Reading, where, it, you know, you, you can't sit down to watch a band because the, the floor is carpeted with mm. discarded, you know, um, noodle boxes and burger boxes and, and whatnot. It's, it's oh, absolutely they're, they're filthy. They're very hot on recycling, even things like, you know, trying to reduce your carbon footprint yeah. getting there. And the, yeah, the people who go, it's just all ages. Everyone's really friendly. It's just so chilled out. You know, you're wandering around at two in the morning and you're just wandering into tents, uh, not tents, uh, marquees. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, don't to really see, give the impression there, Rob. To see what's on. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it keeps going to about three in the morning. Yeah, I it? think because it's yeah. um, out of town, you know, it is it, yeah. out in the countryside, they are able to to have a sort of late night event. I mean, one of the things that we found, we sort of, after seeing Elbow, we thought, you know, we, we'd actually like to have a bit of something upbeat rather than mm, just yeah. sort of toddle off to go to sleep after well, that. Well, Elbow's last song where they repeat the same two lines yes. over and over again was, was all right, all right. Okay, yeah, yeah we, we got the idea. So yeah. we we decided to kind of go off in search of something a bit more upbeat. We, we sort of potted into the literary arena um, and sort of checked out a bit of a discussion that was going on there but then uh we uh we could hear this i shouldn't really own up to this but it was sort of the siren call of hansen (laughs) is what what drew us in yes to the comedy tent and i was wondering well why is hansen and bop coming out of comedy it's It's very strange what a naff song but there we go (laughs) um and it was a it was guilty pleasures is what we yeah. found at the end, wasn't it? It was essentially a cheese night, yeah, sort of cheesy music disco, basically. Just what you and I used to at university, but it was mixed with a sort of odd cabaret experience. Yeah, there was the kind of stage acts going on as well. Well, the DJs weren't just sitting there mixing; they'd sort of start the song off, and they would actually get out from behind the decks and. You know, there's a woman, she was singing quite often, yep. or the guy was sort of just dancing, dancing along. Dancing and um, so on. And then there were sort of very odd moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, would you like to tell um, the story? Well, the music sort of stopped, and it was a music came on that I didn't, didn't quite recognise. Yeah. And Mary Porter's appeared on stage. A- apparently, yeah. Apparently. Well, it, it ended up being a man doing a sort of a three-minute rap on how she's is going to save the high street. Yeah. Before then, the music kicked on again, and she stripped down to a Wonder Woman outfit and, and carried on going. And just kept on dancing. And yeah. the Harry Porter's wig. Um, and then later on, three sort of more portly men came on, <laughs> dressed in a skin-tight sort of devil yep. costumes, doing a nice choreograph number to Kylie's Better the Devil You Know. There and then it was just, you know, yeah. tune after tune, cheesy track after cheesy track. Disco lights, big balloons. You and I are having a great time. And, it, you know, it was the kind of thing where, as we said at the beginning, there is something for everyone. And it was just great fun. There were loads of people there just having a really nice time. Yeah. And, you know, come sort of half two or whatever it was we decided that where they where they started playing the more modern tunes and mm. and we thought you know we'll we'll call it a day here but you really know, really it, good it, fun let's be honest it is quite hard to dance in wellies i yeah. think after after an hour and a half of, of dancing in wellington boots that i think my my calves had had enough it's a good workout but yeah but yeah you can tell that we've had an absolutely fantastic experience at latitude festival and i, I know that we would we would both highly recommend it to anyone who enjoys any of those sort of things that we've been talking about I, you know i really do think there's there's something for everyone and if you went to latitude festival this year or in the past we'd love to hear what you thought of it was there a particular performance a particular
particular musician, poet, author, or whoever that you particularly enjoyed, you can get in touch with us via Twitter at Word Adventures. You can leave a comment on our website, which is www.adventureswithwords.com. You can like our page on Facebook as well. And you can obviously subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. So after that short break, it's me business as usual with a podcast every monday and we'll be blogging reviewing books all the way through the week i'm rob uh, you can find me at rob chilver on twitter and i'm kate and you can find me at magic underscore kitten thanks for listening and B- goodbye bye adventures with words is brought to you by audible try audible free for 30 days and download any audiobook for free to start your free trial go to www.adventureswithwords.com forward slash audible 